Dudes and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Greetings, Junior Scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. I am so glad you are joining us. I missed bringing a story to you the last two weeks. Lady Melanie and I were on a much-needed holiday. We visited the nation of Belize in Central America and had a most wonderful time on the beach, in the ocean, and under the sun. I got to go spearfishing, which has been something I've wanted to do for a long time. I speared some lobster, a crab, and a few different kinds of fish. We visited some very remote private islands, which was quite the experience. But now we're back and ready to continue our journey with another tale by Hans Christian Andersen. This story is called The Tinderbox and was one of Andersen's first stories. This story was initially not well received due to criticism for its lack of morals. Anderson based the story on a Scandinavian folktale called The Spirit and the Candle and was also inspired by The Arabian Nights and Aladdin and His Wonderful Lamp. Before we dive into the tale, let's check out today's lost and found words. Hey, does anybody know what a tinderbox is? A tinderbox is a kit one would use to start a fire. It usually included a container made of wood or metal containing flint, fire steel, sulfur-tipped matches, and tinder. Tinder is a small amount of dry, finely divided material that lights easily. Now, I have not been able to confirm this, but my nephew, who performed admirably on the last episode, The Ugly Duckling, told me that dryer lint makes remarkable tinder. So, somebody try that out and let me know how it works. Tinder boxes fell out of usage when friction matches were invented. Our next word is a darning needle. This is a type of sewing needle used for knitting or to patch holes in fabric by hand. Next we have garret. A garret is an attic, usually a small and wretched one. And finally, the word avail. Avail means to be of use or value. Now, on to the show. I want you to imagine you have found a magical item that has the power to make your wishes come true. Perhaps it is a lamp, a very traditional choice, or a candle, a truck, maybe a unicorn. It doesn't really matter. What is important is that the item can make whatever you wish become real. The obvious next question is, what would you ask for? If you are listening with your family, now would be a great time to hit pause and take turns sharing your wishes. In our story today, a soldier discovers a magical tinderbox that summons special creatures that will grant his wishes. While he may not be a perfect role model, our young soldier does quite well for himself by the end of the story by way of his wishes, but not without, as you've probably learned to expect by now, a bit of trouble along the way. Ah, here comes our soldier marching down the road now, and it appears 
he's about to meet an old witch. Oh boy, this looks like trouble. The Tinderbox by Hans Christian Andersen There came a soldier marching along the high road. One, two, one, two. He had his knapsack on his back and a saber by his side, for he had been in the wars, and now he wanted to go home. And on the way, he met with an old witch. She was very hideous, and her underlip hung down upon her breast. Good evening, soldier. What a fine sword you have, and what a big knapsack. You're a proper soldier. Now you shall have as much money as you like to have. I thank you, you old witch. Do you see that great tree? And she pointed to a tree which stood beside them. It's quite hollow inside. You must climb to the top, and then you'll see a hole through which you can let yourself down and get deep into the tree. I'll tie a rope round your body so that I can pull you up again when you call me. What am I to do down in that tree? Get money. Listen to me. When you come down to the earth under the tree, you will find yourself in a great hall. It is quite light, for above 300 lamps are burning there. Then you will see three doors. These you can open, for the keys are hanging there. If you go into the first chamber, you'll see a great chest in the middle of the floor. On this chest sits a dog, and he's got a pair of eyes as big as two teacups. But you need not care for that. I'll give you my blue-checked apron, and you can spread it out upon the floor. Then go up quickly and take the dog and set him on my apron. Then open the chest and take as many shillings as you like. They are of copper. If you prefer silver, you must go into the second chamber. But there sits a dog with a pair of eyes as big as mill wheels. But do not you care for that. Set him upon my apron and take some of the money. And if you want gold, you can have that too. In fact, as much as you can carry if you go into the third chamber. But the dog that sits on the money chest there has two eyes as big as round towers. He is a fierce dog, you may be sure. But you needn't be afraid for all that. Only set him upon my apron and he won't hurt you. And take out of the chest as much gold as you like. That's not so bad. But what am I to give you, you old witch? For you will not do it for nothing, I fancy. No, not a single shilling will I have. You shall only bring me an old tinderbox, which my grandmother forgot when she was down there last. Then tie the rope round my body. Here it is, and here's my blue-checked apron. Then the soldier climbed up into the tree, let himself slip down into the hole, and stood, as the witch had said, in the great hall where 300 lamps were burning. Now he opened the first door. Ugh! There sat the dog, with eyes as big as teacups, staring at him. You're a nice fellow, exclaimed the soldier, and he set him on the witch's apron and took as many shillings as his pockets would hold, and then locked the chest, set the dog on it again, and went into the second chamber. Aha! There sat the dog with eyes as big as mill wheels. You should not stare so hard at me. You might strain your eyes. And he set the dog upon the witch's apron. 
And when he saw the silver money in the chest, he threw away all the copper money he had and filled his pockets and his knapsack with silver only. Then he went into the third chamber. Oh, but that was horrid. The dog there really had eyes as big as towers, and they turned round and round in his head like wheels. Good evening, said the soldier, and he touched his cap, for he had never seen such a dog as that before. When he had looked at him a little more closely, he thought, That will do. And he lifted him down to the floor and opened the chest. Mercy, what a quantity of gold was there. He could buy with it the whole town and the sugar-sucking pigs of the cake woman and all the tin soldiers, whips and rocking horses in the whole world. Yes, that was a quantity of money. Now the soldier threw away all the silver coins in which he had filled his pockets and his knapsack and took gold instead. Yes, all his pockets, his knapsack, his boots, and his cap were filled, so that he could scarcely walk. Now indeed he had plenty of money. He put the dog on the chest, shut the door, and then called up through the tree. Now pull me up, you old witch. Have you the tinder box? Plague on it. I had clean forgotten that. And he went and brought it. The witch drew him up, and he stood on the high road again, with pockets, boots, knapsack, and a cap full of gold. What are you going to do with the tinderbox? That's nothing to you. You've had your money. Just give me the tinderbox. Nonsense. Tell me directly what you're going to do with it, or I'll draw my sword and cut off your head. No! So the soldier cut off her head, and there she lay. But he tied up all his money in her apron and took it on his back like a bundle, put the tinderbox in his pocket, and went straight off toward the town. That was a splendid town, and he put up at the very best inn, and asked for the finest rooms, and ordered his favorite dishes, for now he was rich and had so much money. The servant who had to clean his boots certainly thought them a remarkably old pair, for such a rich gentleman, but he had not bought any new ones yet. The next day he had procured proper boots and handsome clothes. Now our soldier had become a fine gentleman and the people told him of all the splendid things which were in their city, and about the king and what a pretty princess the king's daughter was. Where can one get to see her? She is not to be seen at all, they all said together. She lives in a great copper castle, with a great many walls and towers round about it. No one but the king may go in and out there, for it has been prophesied that she shall marry a common soldier and the king cannot bear that. I should like to see her, thought the soldier, but he could not get leave to do so. Now he lived merrily, went to the theater, drove in the king's garden, and gave much money to the poor. And this was very kind of him, for he knew from old times how hard it is when one has not a shilling. Now he was rich, had new clothes, and gained many friends who all said he was a rare one, a true cavalier, and that pleased the soldier well. But as he spent money every day and never carried any, he had at last only two shillings left, and he was obliged to turn out of the fine rooms in which he had dwelt, and had to live in a little garret under the roof, 
and clean his boots for himself, and mend them with a darning needle. None of his friends came to see him, for there were too many stairs to climb. It was quite dark one evening, and he could not even buy himself a candle, when it occurred to him that there was a candle end in the tinderbox, which he had taken out of the hollow tree into which the witch had helped him. He brought out the tinderbox and the candle end, but as soon as he struck fire and the sparks rose up from the flint, the door flew open, and the dog who had eyes as big as a couple of teacups and whom he had seen in the tree stood before him and said, What are my lord's commands? What is this? That's a famous tinderbox. If I can get everything with it that I want, bring me some money, said he to the dog, and whisk, the dog was gone, and whisk, he was back again, with a great bag full of shillings in his mouth. Now the soldier knew what a capital tinderbox this was. If he struck it once, the dog came who set upon the chest of copper money. If he struck it twice, the dog came who had the silver. If he struck it three times, then appeared the dog who had the gold. Now the soldier moved back into the fine rooms and appeared again in handsome clothes, and all his friends knew him again and cared for him very much indeed. Once he thought to himself, It is a very strange thing that one cannot get to see the princess. They all say she is very beautiful. But what is the use of that if she has always to sit in the great copper castle with the many towers? Can I not get to see her at all? Where is my tinderbox? And so he struck a light, and whisk came the dog with the eyes as big as teacups. It is midnight, certainly, but I should very much like to see the princess, only for one little moment. And the dog was outside the door directly, and, before the soldier thought it, came back with the princess. She sat upon the dog's back and slept and everyone could see she was a real princess, for she was so lovely. The soldier could not refrain from kissing her, for he was a thorough soldier. Then the dog ran back again with the princess. But when morning came, and the king and queen were drinking tea, the princess said she had a strange dream the night before, about a dog and a soldier, that she had ridden upon the dog, and the soldier had kissed her. That would be a fine history, said the queen. So one of the old court ladies had to watch the next night by the princess's bed to see if this really was a dream or what it might be. The soldier had a great longing to see the lovely princess again. So the dog came in the night, took her away, and ran as fast as he could. But the old lady put on water boots and ran just as fast after him. When she saw that they both entered a great house, she thought, Now I know where it is and with a bit of chalk, she drew a great cross on the door. Then she went home and lay down, and the dog came up with the princess. But when he saw that there was a cross drawn on the door where the soldier lived, he took a piece of chalk too, and drew crosses on all the doors in the town. And that was cleverly done, for now the lady could not find the right door, because all the doors had crosses upon them. In the morning early came the king and queen, the old court lady, and all the officers, to see where it was the princess had been. Here it is, said the king, when he saw the first door with a cross upon it. No, my dear husband, it is there, said the queen, 
who descried another door which also showed a cross. But there is one, and there is one, said all. For wherever they looked, there were crosses on the doors. So they saw that it would avail them nothing if they searched on. But the queen was an exceedingly clever woman who could do more than ride in a coach. She took her great gold scissors, cut a piece of silk into pieces, and made a neat little bag. This bag she filled with fine wheat flour and tied it on the princess's back. And when that was done, she cut a little hole in the bag so that the flour would be scattered along all the way which the princess should take. In the night, the dog came again, took the princess on his back, and ran with her to the soldier, who loved her very much and would gladly have been a prince so that he might have her for his wife. The dog did not notice at all how the flower ran out in a stream from the castle to the windows of the soldier's house, where he ran up the wall with the princess. In the morning, the king and queen saw well enough where their daughter had been, and they took the soldier and put him in prison. There he sat. Oh, but it was dark and disagreeable there. And they said to him, Tomorrow you shall be hanged. That was not amusing to hear, and he had left his tinderbox at the inn. In the morning he could see, through the iron grating of the little window, how the people were hurrying out of the town to see him hanged. He heard the drums beat and saw the soldiers marching. All the people were running out, and among them was the shoemaker's boy with leather apron and slippers. And he galloped so fast that one of his slippers flew off and came right against the wall where the soldier sat looking through the iron grating. Hello, you shoemaker's boy. You needn't be in such a hurry. It will not begin till I come. But if you will run to where I lived and bring me my tinderbox, you shall have four shillings, but you must put your best leg foremost. The shoemaker's boy wanted to get the four shillings, so he went and brought the tinderbox. And well, we shall hear now what happened. Outside the town, a great gallows had been built and round it stood the soldiers and many hundred thousand people. The king and queen sat on a splendid throne, opposite to the judges and the whole council. The soldiers already stood upon the ladder, but as they were about to put the rope round his neck, he said that before a poor criminal suffered his punishment, an innocent request was always granted to him. He wanted very much to smoke a pipe of tobacco, and it would be the last pipe he should smoke in the whole world. The king would say no to this. So the soldier took his tinderbox and struck fire. One, two, three. And there suddenly stood all the dogs, the one with the eyes as big as teacups, the one with the eyes as large as mill wheels, and the one whose eyes were as big as round towers. Help me now, so that I may not be hanged. And the dogs fell upon the judges and all the council, seized one by the leg and another by the nose, and tossed them many feet into the air, so they fell down and were all broken to pieces. I will not, cried the king, but the biggest dog took him and the queen and threw them after the others. Then the soldiers were afraid, and the people cried, Little soldier, you shall be our king, and marry the beautiful princess. So they put the soldier into the king's coach, and all the three dogs darted on in front and cried, Hurrah! And the boys whistled through their fingers, 
and the soldiers presented arms. The princess came out of the copper castle and became queen, and she liked that well enough. The wedding lasted a week, and the three dogs sat at the table too, and opened their eyes wider than ever at all they saw. The End In today's introduction, I explained this tale was not received well at first because of its supposed lack of morals. Some stories are just fun, and that is just fine. But I think we can pick out a few pearls of wisdom in here. First, remember the thumbling story? We learned that it sure pays to be quick-minded, especially when you apply wisdom. The soldier demonstrated that when the shoemaker's boy happened to approach his jail cell. He convinced him to fetch the tinderbox. He then was able to narrowly escape being hanged, became king, and married the beautiful princess. Secondly, from the old witch's perspective, don't anger soldiers with swords. They might chop your head off. Thank you for listening today, junior scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey. As always, be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the junior classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to the junior classics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.